0: Welcome to the Powerful Conversations with Powerful Women podcast. I'm your host, Claire Thomas. I'm on a mission to support women who feel stuck, unfulfilled and disempowered, have a successful, fulfilled, soul-led life. I guide women to reawaken their unique power. Whether we know it or not, we are all powerful women with powerful stories to share. Sit back, relax and be inspired by my powerful guests. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another powerful conversation with yet another powerful woman. I'm really delighted to um, have Adelina joining us today. We've just been having a chat before I press record, and we've already been having quite a few giggles. So I'm pretty confident this is going to be a fun one. Um, Thank you, Adelina, for joining me today. Um, Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, Claire. Um, I run a company called The Geek Whisperer, and uh, who I am, I have no idea sometimes myself. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm, I know I know who I am is that someone who never quite fitted in anywhere, to be honest. Um, okay. Yeah. But that's, that's probably why i have someone who doesn't quite <laughs> fit in anywhere and doesn't really um,
0: abide by the rules that most people seem to abide by and I'm always left outside. Yeah. yeah. I, I, love, I love that answer because um, these days, probably because quite a lot of the, the personal development work I've been doing, if somebody says, well, you know, who are you? Um, just to be really annoying, I just want to say, well, I'm me.
1: Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I
0: mean, obviously. Yeah. I'm, me. Not even yeah. just. I am me. Yeah. And all those labels and, and, um, that we can put on ourselves. Um, I think we were one of the things that we thought we might talk about was was the labels that people put on themselves. Mm. Um yeah, any any thoughts to get us started on that?
1: Yeah, well, actually, one of the things I wanted to say is that, you know, I wonder when people ask you, who are you, I think they just want a story a um, an elevator pitch of your life. And yeah i always find elevator pitches quite fake in fact (laughs) i i did elevator pitches 10 years ago uh, as part of my business and i never wanted them to be fake you know this kind of canned rubbish thing that you tell someone because you want something out of it and you have an agenda and this is why you know when you asked me who are you i was thinking well what's my elevator pitch this morning and i thought well my elevator pitch is that actually I'm someone who never quite fits in anywhere. You know, I'm known as being weird by all of my friends and contacts, quite frankly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know labels. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I I think I was telling you when uh, when we first started chatting that um, in 2012, just a few months after I started my business, um, this lady from, um, oh, she's actually British, but she lived in Amsterdam. Uh, messaged me and said she'd love to talk to me and I was okay and she said um I'm I'm fat like you I'm overweight like you and I don't know how you do it you know how do you have the courage to get in front of all these people Mm. because I was running a business uh making pitches for investment and I was going um and helping people you know make pitches for investment and making presentations internally in corporations and I was like I that thought had never even crossed my mind that I'm too fat to run a business when I go on stage and, yeah. I, and I was just like so interested how she she saw that label that I just hadn't seen because I was born with a metabolic issue so I was being fat since I was born I've never been a normal size whatever that is
0: yeah yeah I, I've, I, yeah. I mean, so, so do I hear in that that you- somebody saying that to you doesn't even kind of offend you
1: no not really because you know i've been told my entire life that i'm fat and um frankly unattractive so that kind of became well that's who i am so what you know i do have an amazing fiance that finds me attractive so i don't really need other people to (laughs) so you know it's, it's kind of like um when she said that i thought should i feel insecure about this And then I decided, no, I shouldn't. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's why I said I don't really fit in with some of the, you know, for example, when I was growing up, obviously I grew up in the 90s, um, when I was growing up, all these teenage girl uh, magazines were aimed at normal-sized girls. In fact, Mm. my family really struggled to buy clothes for me, because I was probably size 18 when I was 12, you know, Mm. and um I, I, Because I never saw myself in those girls. The makeup, the insecurities, all of that madness that seems to be peddled in these magazines just never applied to me. Yeah, yeah. So I never put makeup on, for example. Um, Someone wanted to try it once on me and I felt I looked like a pig with this lipstick on. So I just thought, (laughs) no, thank you very much. This feels fake. I don't know who this person is in the mirror, but it's not me. And if society says that's how I have to live, I don't want to live like that. Again, like I said to you, I just
0: don't fit in the in the model. yeah um, I mean I find it I find it really, really fascinating because um for me I find it horrific that somebody would say to you, Well, oh, I'm fat like you and therefore mm. I am the same as you. I I, I um I find that really uncomfortable.
1: Mm, um interesting.
0: But I um but I also at the same time find it utterly inspirational that you're able to to um, be, be true to yourself. Um, thank you. I mean, to be honest, I have my own insecurities.
1: Don't get me wrong. You know, like I it doesn't mean that it didn't affect me in any way, but I just kind of grew and realized that I'm limited only by my own beliefs actually you know so one of the things that you know like you said that you you feel uncomfortable and you know a lot of people would be horrified by this but if you think about it if someone says something that we believe to be true about ourselves as well like and it's not a good thing like for example you know i'm fat and unattractive or i'm this i'm that you know negative Mm. things i'm stupid I'm um, rubbish at or- being organized, whatever it is that we all kind of worry about. Uh, people don't find me attractive. People don't, I don't have credibility at work. I don't have credibility with my family, whatever it is. Because mm. uh, I work with you know a lot of people who struggle to have credibility at work, for example. And I, uh, and this is men and women, by the way, not just men, not just women. Mm. Um, and what I realized is that if if I react negatively to someone saying you're fat or you're stupid or whatever it is then i know that i believe that myself deep down and i almost feel exposed that hang on how did they find out and it's like your worst nightmare coming to fruition
0: yeah but
1: in my mind um so this is what i when i realized when i when someone said something to me about me um, i mean other than the fat thing which is you know a, a lifelong story but i think someone said something to me that i was stupid And when they said that, like my entire life, uh, although my family, you know, always told me that I was fat and, you know, I might might never find a partner because I'm fat, because I was born fat. um, I, they did say to me that I was very, very smart. Mm. Now, I don't know if they did that to counterbalance the fatness (laughs) as you were, or if they actually genuinely saw smartness there. And I don't really care because I believed that I was extremely, extremely smart. Therefore, if someone says I'm stupid, I would just laugh because they'd be like, <laughs> "You really don't know, yeah. me, do you?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I and then therefore I look for plenty of evidence that shows me that I'm smart, and also there's lots of evidence that I'm fat. You know, empirical evidence, as in you know, you measure the size of my yeah. bum or whatever, and it is fat by you know normal standards, whatever normal means. Um, and that's what I realized that if I Have the but that implies having self awareness. You know, if you realize your own limitations, your the way you put yourself down. Yeah, that's when um, I think that's yeah, that's one of the things that I think helps you um, be in control of what you let people um, insult you with, essentially. Yeah, I, I can say a lot about this, but you know, I, 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 yeah, you know, I want to let you. <laughs> um, you admit, yeah, because it, yeah, you know, it's otherwise can become a monologue. But yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think um, what I take from that and what I see a lot with the people that I speak to is that we're we're so caught up in our in the beliefs we hold about ourselves that we're. Um, I might have said this when we spoke before about. We walk around being blind and numb to the world around us and and the things people say because we're so caught up in what we believe to be true. It's inconceivable that that belief could not be true. Um, So to have the level of self-awareness that that you have um, and your ability to counterbalance what people say with facts, Um, and evidence I mean that that's something that people some people never even achieve in a lifetime
1: yeah and I I mean I think that it's it's often hard to get self-awareness and you think about it nobody teaches it in school Uh, nobody teaches you at work Um, If you're very lucky and you get a coach um, through work or your own means or whatever, and that coach has self-awareness, you know, like you and I clearly do. Uh, And by the way, I don't have full self-awareness either. You know, I I have, you know, I still have lots of things that I need to discover about myself. But learning self-awareness, I often found the way I learned it is from other people who are self-aware around me. You know, that's the best way because you see how they self-analyze. You know, like for example when someone insults them and says you're stupid they don't just react and go well you're stupid too or whatever oh but you're an idiot because you messed up x y and z whatever they just look at themselves and go why did i get upset that he or she said i was stupid yeah and they self-analyze and try and figure out the trail of thought that they had you know you mentioned earlier that we're caught up in our beliefs but most people don't even know what beliefs they have about themselves no no we only we only realize the beliefs we have about ourselves in interaction with other people especially yeah. uncomfortable interactions because those exactly. uncomfortable interactions are a sign to you have this belief about yourself you believe this yeah. is true this is why you are offended by it
0: yeah and it's and it's such it's such a journey as well like like you were saying I mean this isn't something that we can suddenly say okay well I've uncovered all my beliefs now and I've uncovered all of the things that have conditioned for me to be the way I am today it is uh, uh, the more you the more you learn about yourself the more you realize there is to know um, mm. but I love I love that as a journey i I look forward to I almost look forward to feeling the discomfort because I know um, the discomfort will push me further into understanding myself. But I think um, lots of people don't have the, um, it's just not in their awareness that that they could go on that journey because they're stuck in an autopilot of, of thoughts yeah. and emotions uh, and it's just very difficult to break that style, that, that cycle.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, let's say, you know, someone says to, um, to, to someone else, uh, you're stupid, uh, and they're hearing this very conversation right here, you know, they'd be going, you yeah, I should feel offended by that. What are you talking about? that I shouldn't be offended. And I'm going, no, no, no. That person saying you're stupid, that person is rude, but that is their problem. They have their own issues yeah. and self-doubts and limitations and worldviews that cause them to be like that. What matters is how do you feel when that person has stopped talking. Because the stories you tell yourself, and that that was, I think it was Jack Canfield. I saw him, I don't know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago. He said something about um, the story, what I tell myself, the moment that he or she has stopped talking after insulting me, that is is what truly matters and how that makes me feel. And changing that story that I tell myself, is what actually matters and yes that person was rude for saying that but what matters is the impact on you if it didn't have any impact on you at the end of the day there was just a rude person on the street what's new but if you take that and you don't apply for that job because you now feel insecure because this person told you you're stupid if you take that and you don't You know, tell this person you may be really fancy that you'd like to go on a date because you feel really stupid and insecure about yourself. So if you limit your life beliefs and your actions, then that's why it matters. And you need to look at it and analyze it. And I think, you know, you said that a lot of people don't even realize that they they can kind of confront this uncomfortableness. I think... I think we've been taught, especially, you know, when parents try to make us comfortable all the time, if we're lucky enough to have good parents. But if you think about it, we live life avoiding uncomfortableness, avoiding confrontation. People don't even have the knowledge of healthy conflict, which yeah. actually without it, you can't grow. You can't just be in agreement with everybody all the time. and that is a really big problem i think in general um because you you can't grow if you don't go through uncomfortable times uh and uncomfortable things and that is you know to me um uncomfortableness and going through uncomfortable challenging situations means you just have to be a little bit brave to just see what happens next if you just inquire and challenge yourself and look how do I feel when this person calls me stupid? Why do I feel like that? What story am I telling myself? And you might yeah. discover renewed energy for yourself and love for yourself. That's what I discovered when I was going into leaning into the negative feedback.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think one of the other things I've heard that that, um, that, that reminds me when you're when you're talking is if if one person tells you you're stupid, then you know. Yeah potentially, it's like, well, that's just their opinion. If um, a whole room of people are telling you that you're stupid, um, that's probably an indication that you need to have a really good look at yourself, um, and, and explore it in a bit more detail. And the she is actually that, that uh, founded uh, positive intelligence that I, uh, I teach, mm-hmm. um, and offer to clients, that's, that's an experience that he had, when he realized, you know, he's, he's showing up and, being um, cocky and self-righteous and and whatever words it was and the whole room said well yeah actually that's how i find you and everything's like okay Mm -hmm. and that was a huge light bulb moment for him Mm -hmm. um so but yeah i think there's some there's some real wisdom in all of that and it's the thing that if you keep running away
1: from that you're running away from a potentially amazing uh development so i yeah for example um a few times people said to me that i came across as unforgiving and i thought that's really interesting because i think i'm a really nice person and then what i realized is that obviously because you know i'm i'm clearly somewhere on the spectrum i i am quite black and white so if someone makes a you know is rude especially If someone I have a big problem, if people are rude, like in the sense of, you know, um, trespassing some sort of boundaries or Mm. um, having no consideration of others, that that really gets my blood boiling. So I can become extremely ruthless and unforgiving in those situations.
0: Um,
1: And I and I thought, okay, that's interesting. I've had two people telling me I'm unforgiving. Um, I thought I need to explore that so mm-hmm. i did ask my my friends and i said how tell me how am i forgiving i didn't say do you think i'm forgiving because it could be oh no come on adlina you're lovely <laughs> you know oh, pat me yeah. on the back tell my yeah. ego it's all fine which is the thing that we all try to like to do yeah. and um and some people said well you know you can be a bit harsh um if, if things don't you know if things you feel things are uh, unfair or not just unfair but inconsiderate, you know, people who are being horribly inconsiderate, uh, if there's some sort of injustice going on, I mean, there's yeah. a reason why I worked in human rights, and I wanted to be a human mm-hmm. rights lawyer for a, a long time, um, you you will, you know, you will be quite ruthless about it and tackle it head-on with no consideration for the emotions of the person who's done that. And yeah. I go, well, yes, they're inconsiderate, I feel like I can be inconsiderate. But what I discovered is, in then, instead of being... Bah, you know, I'm the judge and the executioner, and your idiot was so just been inconsiderate, everybody else. But then I try to become curious about why mm-hmm. they're inconsiderate. And I discovered that they just simply have zero awareness of themselves and other people. And I try to explain politely. And I did lots of social experiments, believe it or not. I know this sounds super crazy. So what I would do is go to random people, especially men um, at uh, petrol stations who were blocking you know, by parking randomly or just parking badly, right? And I went to various <laughs> and I tested it out in lots of different ways. Um, and I saw the pattern of reactions. That's how I learned. I have to test it out. So I yeah. to go to, to men who are like, you know, builders and tough guys that most people would be like, Oh, I don't want to talk to these guys. And I'd kind of lock knock on their window and they'll wheel the window down. And I'd be like, you park really inconsiderately move. Oh, really aggressive kind of reaction. So then I tried that differently. I went, you know, I would say to people, excuse me, can I just check? Do you think you're gonna be long here? Just the reason I'm asking is this person, you know, who's who's blocked by you at the moment, and would it be possible to move it? Just a oh, yeah, sorry, okay, yeah, let's do it, you know. And I just thought, okay, so when you start with the impact on other people, and, yeah. and by the way, let's say that works eight out of ten times. What I mm-hmm. discovered, there are some people who, even when you tell them about the impact on other people, still can't give a rats. Yeah, And those are the people to whom I will ultimately be ruthless, if that makes yeah. sense, instead of treating yeah. everybody with the tough ruthlessness kind of aggressive kind of like you are being wrong here
0: and you're doing the wrong thing so does that make any sense (laughs) totally total sense i i really admire your bravery to conduct such an experiment i um i think that's that's fascinating it's so fascinating um and it kind of i did um i trained uh, a couple of years ago to be a workplace mediator and so you know how do you I've always all my life run away from conflict. So one of the, mm. my challenges, how do I lean into conflict uh, in a way that, um, yeah, comes from a more gentle, positive place rather, rather than ignoring it. Ignoring it is mm. not good. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, you, you seem to have a natural instinct for, for how, how you would do that. And there's this great model in, in mediation where it's called the, the bin model, you know, the, the behaviours underneath the behaviours of the impact. And underneath the impact of the needs, so yeah. you know the 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 person that uh, still doesn't respond to you when they've uh, had their behaviour and the impact pointed out to them, then that may, their their need is uh, yeah, I mean one of the rudimentary needs probably of that they yeah. need to feel power or I don't know. So mm. um, that's that's really interesting.
1: So here's the thing, if if as a society we were to challenge those people, everybody was to challenge those people more often, they wouldn't do it, because it's uncomfortable for them, believe me, it's uncomfortable for them as well, when I did it, you know, and and I still do it, Um, it's just that it depends on, I look at, you know, like, is this a battle worth winning? You know, and yeah. and I, so I'm not as black and white as I used to be. But all of it started from this unforgiving feedback that I had. I mean, this is you know kind of a decade ago. Um, but I I learn by experimenting. I don't learn from mm. books. I really struggle to read actually. Um, and, and it's shocking because most of my customers think I read a lot, and mm. I actually really really struggle to read. Um, and I so I learn by listening or by experimenting directly myself so you know yeah. everything that i teach the you know the people that i work with they they know f- f- from me how to do stuff because i have experienced it and i've done it myself in lots yeah. of different ways to learn how best yeah. how things best work and um uh, for me that's the only way to learn i can't this is yeah. why even when i run a course it's 100% based on um real you know situations that the audience has not my own agenda oh here's my powerpoint with with stuff i think you should learn Um,
0: yeah
1: and then yeah i I think that's the best way to to teach people anything
0: yeah i mean i i actually think that most people learn through better through experience whether they're prepared Mm. to admit it or not because if i look at um you know for example i I teach mindfulness and Mm -hmm. if i say to if i say to somebody okay well one of the attitudes that you should bring to mindfulness is um non-judgment well anybody can understand from the words non-judgment what non-judgment means Mm -hmm. and you can kind of conceptually get how it applies in this situation or that situation but until you start practicing it in the moment and noticing all the times you are judging mm. it, it, you very there, there won't be any growth you can't like, you can't grow just from reading a book you've mm. got to you've got to experience it because that's how the neuroplasticity of your brain works the more mm. you experience it and the more you put it into action the more it becomes new behavior mm. um so I I actually think that Everybody benefits from experience, not just reading. Reading, reading is is like the first superficial level.
1: Yes, it's like the first. You know when you paint the room, it's the first brush. You yeah, know, it's the exactly. First kind of, the exactly. doesn't give the color necessarily; it just gives it a little background, a little yeah. context, almost. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's interesting that. Um, most courses, I mean, this is one of the reasons I started my business, to be honest, because I loved learning lots of things. So I went to all of the soft skills courses that my boss was allowing me to book (laughs) when I was employed, uh, donkeys years ago. And I just found them 90% theory and 10% practice if I was lucky. And I thought, that's such rubbish. You know, I'm never going to learn anything. I just learned lots of theories. And I used to think I could be back at my desk doing real work. And yeah. this is why I started, um, when I when I started doing training in, in-house, um, first of all, my course names were really unusual. So we're like, uh, instead of influencing and in communication skills courses, my course was called Unappreciated for Being Honest, How to Tell Them They're Wrong. <laughs> love it. Love it. I had 3,000 <laughs> engineers signed up to that love on the waiting love. list. <laughs> Um, wow. Another one. Another one. We have live now, actually, on Maven, on the platform learning platform. is called something like uh, "Managers Never Listen to Me." You know how to get managers to approve your ideas. You know, all yeah. yeah. uh, of my courses don't have boring titles like "Oh, you know, yeah. co- influencing and communication skills." Um, they they just have titles like like the ones you heard, or you know, when both engineers are right, who is more right? You know, as a manager, as a leader. This is yeah. basically coaching skills, actually. Yeah, but it's boring. Yeah. If I call it coaching skills, engineers go, what the hell is that? That doesn't sound yeah. right. I'm not going to attend that. But also, I don't actually label them coaching skills. I label, when, when we're working, I label them, well, how do you make, how do you get the best out of two engineers when you're managing them? You know, it, yeah. it's about the reality of life rather than yeah. some abstract concept. And what I find sad is that we seem to... And especially in in, in L&D environments, you know, we seem to buy into these labels, coming back to the theme of the day, and these concepts like, you know, coaching and uh, smart objectives and all of these kind of frameworks, Belbin, uh, you know, MBTI, all of these things. But actually, how do they apply in real life? You know, that's what people care about. Um, And that's, I suppose, that's why I like working with engineers because... (laughs) I think in the same way, things that have yeah. to be practical and realistic.
0: It reminds me of my, my daughter's doing her GCSEs this year. And she asked her maths teacher um, what the practical application of um, vectors was. Because she wants to understand, like, well, if you're going to teach this to me, but how is it going to be relevant yeah. in the real world? Uh, I don't he couldn't, he's like, well, he you won't really it. ever need to, you won't really yeah. need to use it. And yeah. then she's like, well, why am I, why am I, why am I it learning now? it? Yeah. And <laughs> I just think that that's brilliant that she has the confidence. Good girl. to, to yeah. like, you know, say, well, you know, what is the value in, in, mm-hmm. in learning this? Um, so it's just like, it no, <laughs> just reminded me of that story.
1: And here's the shocking thing. Vectors do apply in engineering yeah. and design. However, education is so removed from the reality of work that they don't even know why they're teaching the stuff they're teaching these days. I mean, it's just crazy. Again, back to labels. Oh, I have a GCC and X, Y, and Z. I have an A level and X, Y, and Z. I got A's and A stars and A pluses and A amazing. But can you do anything do you have the candid yeah. attitude an employer needs yes do you have the yes. healthy conflict attitude that a, 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 a manager needs you know yes they do there's no leadership in that you know there's no communication skills in that there's no real life experience in that no and then people have a rude awakening when yeah yeah you know they they go to work and they realize yeah. okay not everything is rosy rosy and i have to produce something of value yeah yeah and i i mean i tell you what's fascinating to me um there's a lot of so one of one of the things i do is when when engineering companies are engineering led what that means is research and development led which is basically abstract research kind of blue sky thinking let's create something for the sake of creating something new rather than How is this going to sell? At what price point? Who's going to buy it? How can you scale it? How can we sell lots of it? Uh, you know, what is the profit margin? All of that. And when a company transitions from this geeky engineering mindset to a, so to an engineer-led mindset to a commercially-led company, the amount of resistance these companies get internally from engineers is amazing, and yeah. it's it's because you know they're scared because they don't know. Well, this is a new way of working. This is not what I was expecting, and, and yeah. again, it's like taking a teacher and asking him or her to apply vectors in real world.
0: Yeah. No idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. I suppose. I suppose that's kind of then comes down to the benefits of having diversity of thought and experience and etc. On a team, um, yeah. because because that's where great things happen, isn't it? When you get Um, collaboration not competition and new ideas and new ways of doing things are born from that
1: but in order to have collaboration and healthy conflict and all of these good things people need to feel trust and rapport and this is another area where nobody teaches them how do you build trust with others I know it sounds like a basic thing but actually It's a real problem, you know. Like yeah. everything has become so abstract in school. the The activities, I think, that they do around school or outside school, are what teaches them these these skills. And some yeah. teachers, you know, some innovative teachers, like for example Andrea Joyce, you know, amazing innovative person that takes her students outside of that kind of strict environment. Um, often they they don't learn these skills that are absolutely crucial in yeah. life in general and and at work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm conscious that we've been speaking for half an hour and I know I know that we could talk for quite a long time um, and yeah. would you like to just say a little bit about how you help people or how people can get in touch with you if they want to you know have this conversation yeah. see what how you could help them etc.
1: Sure. Uh, I mean I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um so if you look at Alina Chalmers on LinkedIn, I'm I'm read right there and I usually respond to messages quicker there. Uh my website is also geekwhisperer.co.uk. Uh so if anybody can see my contact details there. Um but yeah,
0: I mean I love having insightful conversations like these and thank you for inviting me, Claire. It's been a complete joy and a wonderful way to to start my working day. So thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this powerful conversation. Your support is greatly appreciated. So please follow the show. I'd love you to like, comment and share this episode with anyone that would get something from listening to it. We are all powerful. So if you would like to share your story, please send me an email to claire at reachingmybest.com or click on the link in the show notes. Live and love powerfully right now in this moment.